We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, November 8th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper's back and he and I are going to talk about the Week 10 games. But first, Des Bryant signed. Yay. <laughs> are you really excited about it? <laughs> no. All right, here's the thing. I'm... And my initial reaction, which I think is the correct one skill-wise, is Des Bryant's not good anymore. Why should I be excited about this? However, Cam Meredith's hurt, right? They, they wouldn't have signed him if they're not going to use him. And he could be a red zone threat. And Drew Brees could make a lot of people look decent. Now, I, I have a hard time foreseeing someone starting Des Bryant on their fantasy team unless their league was really deep. But I think there is a path to Drew Brees-fueled modest production here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, have to, you have to realize or consider that the Saints throw a ton to Michael Thomas. They throw quite a bit to Elvin Kamara. And that's been kind of the, the split. As long as Mark Ingram has been available, that's generally what they do. They lean heavily in the passing game just on those top two guys. They take their occasional shots downfield you know, with the, the Ted Ginn types or Ted Ginn himself and Traquan Smith's been taking on a larger role. You look at his snaps over the last four games, over 40 snaps each of the last four games. I think he could maybe push Traquan Smith for the number two receiver role at some point, but it's going to take a couple of weeks. And by the time it happens, I don't think you're going to be that excited about what you get even in a good situation. So yeah, it's nice for Des. He's going to go on a playoff team and maybe he's useful by like week 14, week 15 as 
your third receiver in your lineup or something. But is that worth for people that dumped all their fab? Is that going to be worth it? Probably no. not. Like, are, are you even in a, in a league with straight, you know, you can pick them up for free right now in a 12 teamer. I mean, do you see yourself doing it? I mean, maybe like if, if your last wide receiver was Devonte Parker, would you do it? I, I guess I might, but at the same time, I'm probably turning over that spot, hoping to find something good that I can use right away. And I just I think it's going to take a couple of weeks for Des to get fully up to speed in the offense. I mean, even look at Josh Gordon in New England. Like just just the I, I think in in the same in that case too, the Patriots had a few things designed that fit his skill set well. It was mostly downfield stuff. Dez's skill set is not explosive downfield anymore. It's no. going to be short and underneath stuff. So they might design a few things that work well for him, but it's not as high like high variance with upside as Gordon was with limited targets. At least that, that's, how, that's how I see it anyway. Agreed. Like I, I'm 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 thinking there's going to be more situations than not where I'm going to look and go, no, thank you. So. Um, but that's it on Des Bryant. Okay. Uh, if you have questions about either or questions about Des Bryant or questions about anybody else, Derek's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at jhalpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. All right. Your buys for week 10, Ravens, Broncos, Texans, Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Deshaun Watson out. Thielen, Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Emmanuel Sanders out. So uh, it's a little bit of a shallower wide receiver week than usual. Those are the big ones. Okay, let's start with the Thursday night game. Panthers-Steelers. Good game, for sure. I'm going to have trouble staying up for this one because, for some reason, I woke up at 345 today. Ooh. Yeah, and I couldn't go What's back What's that to all about? So I got up and did notes for this show, which is probably why I sent them to you at 530. You know, I didn't even really notice the time they were sent. They always come in early for me. Yeah. So yeah, it was early, and I'm gonna unless I nap this afternoon, which you know is kind of it's one of those things. You, you know, you're 49 years old and you're a productive adult, and you go, "Am I gonna really take a nap at one o'clock in the afternoon?" I don't know about that. See, I think that I think you lose the the desire to nap once you have kids. That's my that's my guess. Even though well, oh, the no. desire the, the desire is there, you're more tired than ever. I think, but I, I think maybe you just don't have time. <clears throat> you don't have time to nap. Like you just I don't know. You, you convinced yourself that you just can't do it. See, my kids are self-sufficient, so I could if I wanted to, but I just have a hard time. What's stopping you? Like, I don't know. I mean, I know I got to watch the game, and I was up early doing this, but like, you know, telling my wife, by the way, you know, hey, it's three o'clock. I'm going to take a nap now while she's at work. Like, I I don't know. It's weird. Well, just don't tell her. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you're doing anything wrong by not telling her. I know. And it's like she'd yell at me. She'd probably make fun of me. But, uh, you know, it's, just, it's, it's worth the ridicule. Get get an hour. Get an hour nap in this afternoon. Maybe. It's either that or you got to go get yourself, uh, if you like coffee, get yourself a nice coffee at like 2 or 3 o'clock to power yeah. you through the last few hours. See, that doesn't do anything for me either. I could drink two cups of coffee and go right to sleep. So. Oh, so you, you built up a, a heavy tolerance to the caffeine. Pretty much. Soda, coffee, doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. I, I kind of fear that day where, where coffee doesn't do anything for me. It takes more than it used to to give me that jolt, but it still works. Yep. All right. So Panther Steelers, this, so there's not a lot of, I mean, the over unders 52, which is the second highest on the board this week. Uh, the spreads come down. It started almost a touchdown. Now it's down to three and a half. I, I like the game. I, I think we like all your Steelers 
you know, you got two wide receivers, a running back, and a quarterback. They're all, if you have them, you're starting them. Cam and McCaffrey and Olsen, if you have them, you're starting them. The question marks here are wide receivers for the Panthers. Devin Funches has had his workload chipped into by DJ Moore and a little bit Curtis Samuel. And if you look at the defense versus position tool at rotowire.com, arbitrary end and start points. Week five is where I started. The Steelers have given up. The Steelers are probably seventh in points per game, fantasy points per game against opposing wide receivers. Are you interested in starting Funches or DJ Moore or any of those cast characters tonight? Uh, in traditional season long, I'm a little hesitant to do it if we're talking like 12 teams or less. Then you get deeper than that, you could kind of talk yourself into both. I think even though DJ Moore was a relative disappointment in week nine, he still was on the field for a larger percentage of the snaps against the Bucks than he has been in any game this season. So his snap share was actually up from where it was in week eight when he had that game against the Ravens that got everybody excited. So I think of the two, I'm actually trending more towards DJ Moore. And in more traditional leagues, I'm probably going to find a reason to sit both, even though this looks like a really good Thursday night game. This looks like it's well above average in terms of overall quality and two teams that can move the ball pretty effectively against each other. Yep. Um, FYI, everybody, the Rotowire uh, pro- weekly projections have Funchess at wide receiver 21 and more at wide receiver 45. The mm-hmm. other guy I want to talk about here that's, you know, well, like I said, not a lot of on-the-fence people in this game. But Vance McDonald becomes interesting. Again, I picked week five because I figured I'd give everybody a four or five game sample and it wasn't just a whole year that didn't account for imp- recent improvement. The Panthers have been getting beat up by tight ends. Over the last five games, 37 receptions. I know a bunch of them were by Zach Ertz. Uh, 417 yards, five touchdowns. It's funny, I actually, this one, I think I've told you about the, the, the thing I do on the Panthers website every week. And you have to pick what you can only pick a player once per season. And you play, you have a six man lineup every week. And last week I picked OJ Howard because the Panthers have been getting beat up by tight ends and he caught two touchdowns. I'm kind of looking at Vance McDonald as kind of an interest, a similarly interesting matchup play. Uh, how do you feel about him? Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. I mean, Vance McDonald kind of fluctuates a little bit from week to week with Jesse James out there. But if you go back uh, to even like week three, Vance McDonald had a larger percentage of the team's targets than Jesse James uh, in all but like two of those games. And they were even in the two games in which McDonald didn't have clearly like a larger share of the targets. So I I think McDonald is a strong play this week. Uh, If you had buy trouble at tight end, which with those teams on buy, you're talking like Kyle Rudolph being off and that's not that big of a deal. Uh, I think McDonald is a great replacement there. And I think as far as like Thursday night, if you're trying to play a single game DFS contest for this matchup, which actually is a good match to do it for Vance McDonald's, one of those guys at a lower price. You're probably gonna look at squeezing in. All right. Um, Jeff Erickson has McDonald at tight end 14 on the value meter. I have him 13th. The road wire projections have him 16th just for some context to that bills jets. Oh, wow. That's this is awful. This is an awful this game. Those poor really, really bad Jet fans that have to go to this game. I think there's going to be a lot of empty seats. So we have, in addition to the usual, it actually might be better because the rookie quarterbacks are hurt. Now, I'm not suggesting that these guys don't necessarily have bright futures, but 
Sam Darnold's going to be out. Josh McCown's going to play for the Jets. On the other side, I think from what I read on the Bills website yesterday, Josh Allen is not cleared, but I think he's going to play. That If I had to bet right now, Thursday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, I'm going to bet on Josh Allen. Derek Anderson's still in the concussion protocol. Josh Allen was limited in practice on Wednesday, but, but it sounds like they like what they see, and he hasn't been cleared yet, but I, I think he's trending in a positive direction. I mean, it's better than Peterman, right? Anything is better than Peterman. I mean, yeah. you could run the Wildcat with LaShawn McCoy, and that's a better offense than rolling Nathan Peterman out there right now. Yeah. Um, with the Jets, with McCown playing, I mean, Darnold's shown flashes, but McCown's not bad. You know, he, he, had a, he had a good, really strong stretch in the first half of last year. He kind of faded a little bit late um, and then got hurt, I think. But uh, do you like any of the Jet receivers a little more now that McCown's playing? I mean, Robbie Anderson and Anunua have had times. I mean, Robbie Anderson, before the season, we were talking about Robbie Anderson like a top 30 receiver. Do you, do you think there's a chance he might, he might kind of pop again with McCown playing? Yeah, what I could see is Anunwa and Anderson kind of being the one and the two in some order, and then Curse being a, a slightly less utilized option of the slot and still being the clear-cut three. So with Anderson, I mean, if you put him up there and said Anderson or, or Devin Funches this week, that's, that's to me, that's a tough sort of toss-up, whereas I think you know, Funches has the safer role. Anderson has a much higher ceiling. And the other question is, who gets Tredavious White in this matchup? Do they put him on a noon? Do they put him on Anderson? The Jets try to move those guys around so it's not just locked in the entire matchup. Because whoever's not seeing White, I think, has a huge matchup advantage on the outside and the opposite side for the Jets. Okay. Um, otherwise, no bills. We're not starting any bills. Just, I, I don't think so. Come on, man. No way. Falcons-Browns. Uh, one thing I want to check here. Did I read this morning on Rotowire that we are going to be without Matt Bryant again? I think I did. I just want to make Stinks. sure for people that they don't say, oh, I'm going to slot Matt Bryant in as my kicker, and then you get big zero. So let me check that out real quick. Matt Bryant coming up was a non-participant at Wednesday's practice. That's where we are. So be careful about that. You might see more Giorgio Tavecchio. The Falcons have been getting beat up in the slot. Uh, Jarvis Landry might be in a better spot than usual. If you were a frustrated Jarvis Landry owner, are you getting a little excited? And then for context, last week, Maurice Harris out of the slot, 10 catches for a buck 20-something for the Redskins. Yeah, that I mean, Harris getting him definitely makes me more excited about Landry. The amazing thing about Jarvis Landry since Baker Mayfield took over as the starting quarterback is that targets have been there week in and week out, and he's done so little with them. 5.7 yards per target. Uh, and a lot of people are going to say, well, that's what he did in Miami last year, 6.1. Like, how, why are you surprised? I'm surprised because I think Baker Mayfield is a better player than anything the Dolphins have rolled out at quarterback in the previous four years. And I think I also believed that Todd Haley was going to find creative ways to get Landry downfield more often. Just seems like those two have not been on the same page. Uh, it's still possible to start clicking at some point here. I mean, you look at some of the advanced stats like air yards per game, air yards per snap. All, all very good. Percentage of team targets is still off the charts. They want to get him the ball. The catch rate is just really low right now. Um, so I do like Jarvis Landry this week. You know, half PPR, non-PPR, full PPR doesn't really matter. I think this is a spot where he can put up one of his best games of the season. Probably more in line with what he did against Tampa Bay back in Week 7. 
Uh, that was a 10-catch, 97-yard, a touchdown game that he had against the Bucks. I think that's sort of a, the ceiling that you're looking at, maybe with more yardage if he happens to break off a, a longer catch during this game. Okay. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, Jeff's got – I know the matchup su- suggests, you know, the Falcons' struggles against opposing fantasy quarterbacks argue for this. I mean, last week was better for them. I, and I think the defense is improving. I've been saying it all week. I think the team's improving. But – Jeff's got Mayfield at QB 13, and our projection system has it at 15. That that seems a bit aggressive to me. What do you think? It certainly makes sense when you start looking closer at, at just how bad Atlanta's been, though. They've been third most generous to opposing quarterbacks this season behind Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I mean, two teams that end up in shootouts and just get picked apart week in and week out. Um, you, you look at the Bengals as another team that fits into that group, and then there's a big drop before you get to the next set of teams. So you've got four pretty horrible pass defenses going at the very top of that list, and the Falcons are one of them, so I, I get it. I, I think there's uh, definitely a case to think about Mayfield as an actual like traditional league starter this week. If he's the, the seldom-used backup you have, like in an NFFC context or in a, a league where you got uh, deeper benches, I, mean, I, I think Baker Mayfield over... Some of the guys that you typically have him sitting behind is something you would do this week because of this matchup. Okay. Last question. Speaking of aggressive, our projection system has Ito Smith at RB24. Mm. That's a little That's a little much for me. Jeff has him 30th. I, I mean, I, I can see the touchdown potential here. Because, you know, he's been, I mean, he's been getting a decent amount of work, you know, 10, 12 carries, and it's a bye week and all that. That that's another one that seemed a little like I. If someone was going to ask me, do I start Ito Smith? I'm not saying yes. I'm saying well, maybe, kinda, depends. I mean, we can say that about a lot of people, but I'm not. I'm not gung. Are you gung ho? Like, do you think you 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 kind of you, your initial reactions sound like the same as mine was? I, the Browns are really bad against running backs. And if, if this game turns into one where Atlanta is protecting a bigger lead than expected, they're only four and a half point favorites because they're on the road. If that situation unfolds, that does max out touches for, for Coleman and Smith. And in that scenario, which isn't totally ridiculous, you know, then Smith probably does get 10 to 12 touches again, even running back up to Coleman. I just, I think this comes down to how much you believe in Cleveland's defense coming out and, and putting together a good enough performance to prevent the Edo Smith volume thing from happening. I mean, from week to week, you see some fluctuations, but the last three weeks, he's been right around 30 snaps at 31, 28, and 28. So uh, it does seem like his role has stabilized a little bit. I think the thing that I struggle with with him, I don't really believe that he's a special player. I think he's just right. there. And I think they yes. just have a slight hesitation to go like full James Conner on Tevin Coleman. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, and for context, what you said, the Browns over the last, like I said, over the last five weeks have been the worst against opposing fantasy running backs, allowing 21, 29.1 fantasy points per game. Uh, they've given up 914 yards from scrimmage to running backs in their last five games. So, yes, that is very, very bad. Next up, Saints Bengals. No AJ Green. How much does this change things for the Bengals? Like, you kind of looked. I, I, I felt like if A.J. Green was playing, I could look at this game and say, it's in Cincinnati. As good as the Saints are, I can see a path for the Bengals. Now I look and I go, no. Mm-mm. Maybe my first read was 
okay, the Saints came off that big win against the Rams, going on the road against a pretty good Cincinnati team. This could be a trouble spot. And the more I think about it, I think, okay, now with Green out, that means Tyler Boyd probably sees a lot more Marshawn Lattimore, so that makes him a bit less effective. And it starts digging down further into the deep, the, the depth of that receiving core, which for me, it's very top-heavy. John Ross, as much as I'd like to come into the season, I mean, yeah, this is an opportunity for him while Green's out for the next few weeks. I'm not convinced he's going to get the usage that we'd like coming off an injury. So I think the Bengals are going to have to shift to a more ground-heavy sort of attack, try to find ways to get Joe mixing the ball out in space. And I am increasingly confident that the Saints are actually going to go into Cincinnati and and cover. I think they're, they're five-point favorites right now. And I think with that, you're not going to get that that elevation of production from some of the other options behind Boyd on that depth chart. I think it's going to be Tyler Boyd getting volume, Mixon getting a lot of work, and a bunch of other guys getting a, a few targets, but nothing to jump onto. All right. Uh, other side of this one, Mark Ingram, what do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about the way he's, the, about his usage. And I know any, any running back that can get 12, 13 carries on a good team is, is worth looking at. But we looked at the way he was used late last year and he became sort of a second banana to Camara. And I look at it and I feel like it's happening again. Yeah, I think that's that is happening to an extent, and I just keep looking at the the way they've been using him: sixteen, twelve, thirteen, and nine carries. Was that a game script sort of thing? Was it just a matchup last week that favored Camara a, a little bit against the Rams? I, I think I think it's a little bit of that latter. I think you're still looking at fifteen carries as sort of your your target with Ingram, and he just he doesn't do a lot in the passing game because he doesn't have to. I think this is a fine spot for him, but he's kind of a lower-end RB2 right now, kind of like a fringe top-20 receiver, or running back, rather, because of Kamara's role in the backfield and because of what Kamara can also do in the passing game. All right, Jeff's got him 23rd on the value meter. Uh, the projection system has him 21st. Redskins, Bucks. Okay, so the Bucks defense is bad. Agreed? Yeah. Right. Uh, even though they got some linemen back last week, the Redskins are now down three offensive line starters, two guards and a left tackle. What wins here? Does Do you look at Adrian Peterson and do you say, hey, behind that decimated line, he won't be able to run? Or do you say, well, hey, against the Bucks, just anybody can and you know the backup linemen will figure it out? I think it's ugly for both. I mean, I think it's kind of a, instead of being a total disaster performance, it's just kind of middle of the road, three and a half, four yards per carry. It's kind of what I'd expect. And like every, we say every week, if, if Peterson gets game scripted out, it's because Washington was just getting picked apart defensively. This is a defense though. Washington's defense has overall been better than I expected this year. And I would say week in and week out, to this point, as we enter week 10, Washington's probably the team that I've had the most trouble with from a, a spread pick standpoint and even just kind of a, a week-to-week assessment standpoint, trying to figure out where their production's going to come from, which matchups are going to give them trouble. I have really struggled with them. I think in this case, Tampa's going to be explosive enough to put Washington on that back foot to force Alex Smith to throw and I think this actually could be a decent Alex Smith week. I mean, I think he's tournament viable in, in DFS. And I don't, I don't think I'd play him over like Baker Mayfield in season long. Like if you're, again, you're having bye week trouble. Maybe you're a Deshaun Watson owner and you don't carry a backup. I don't think I'd play Smith 
over Mayfield, but I don't think it's crazy to at least consider it. I, I don't either. Um, and he is, yeah, Jeff's got him 12th actually. So he's, he's the most bullish on Alex Smith. I've got him and I've got him at QB 20 just cause I don't buy and I don't like his receivers. Um, the other side of this game that I want to point something out. So last week, the Bucks were down big to the Panthers, and they made a run, but they were throwing a lot, right? And, and it was kind of easy to dismiss Adam Humphreys a little bit. He went eight for, what, 82 and two touchdowns. And you look and you go, well, they've got Evans, and they've got Deshaun Jackson, and they've got Chris Godwin. If you look at our team trends page for the Bucks, Humphreys has outsnapped Deshaun Jackson every week since week three. And he has outsnapped Godwin in four of the last six games, including an 82% snap share to a 55% snap share against the Panthers. I mean, look, they're going to throw a lot. Well, maybe, maybe Humphreys is a better route runner underneath. Like what's the, you know, what, what, what would the reason be for this? Could be a few matchups that were favorable. I think you mentioned before Atlanta has been pretty bad at covering receivers in the slot. If you kind of snap back to like week six, last four games, this is when that started. Three, four, seven, eight for the uh, the catch totals for Humphreys during that time. And that's more catches than Mike Evans has over the last four games. Like that's really surprising. Like that that to me seems like a, a design flaw in the offense. Like no matter what you think of Adam Humphreys, whether you think he's a a slot receiver who's going to be in the league for 10 more years or whether you think he's a scrub who'll be out of the league in two, Mike Evans should be getting more catches every single week than Adam Humphreys. Now, part of that's just the targets and where they go. He's had more targets. Evans has 39 targets to Humphreys 31 during that span. We know Jameis Winston started a couple of those games. Quality of those targets might be part of the problem. But I think when you look at Humphreys versus Godwin and versus Jackson, the way they are using Deshaun Jackson is really bizarre. Like he just kind of comes and goes out of the game plan. Like nine, four, eight, and four for the target volume right. for him the last four weeks. So just when you feel good about him, they pull the rug out and they go a different direction. It's almost like they're trying to keep everybody off balance with the way they're they're using Humphreys and Jackson in particular. And then Godwin, nine, six, seven, three. I, a little more consistent until last week when things dropped off. Do you think that was more of a, a coverage thing with the Panthers where they felt like they could win that matchup in the slot more often than they could win a matchup on the outside with Godwin? I, I don't know. Probably because their corners, their outside corners have been playing well. I mean, James Bradbury has been playing very well and uh, the other guy, Dante Jackson, the rookie, has been pretty solid. So Maybe. But so I, I, well, all I'm trying to do is I'm trying not to read too much into week to week adjustments because they they could be just specific to that matchup. But this is this has been a messy cluster of receivers all year, and it, it OJ Howard as great as he is, as much as I like using him in in, in daily. Uh, I wish I had him in more season long leagues. But I, I look at Howard and I think, okay, this just makes the receiver situation even more dicey because you have a tight end that you really want to throw the ball to. Like right. He's, it's great, especially in the red zone. So, I'd be I'd be really careful, in especially even in PPR leagues. I'd be really careful about chasing Adam Humphreys' big game from last week because it's, it is still so crowded and there is still so much fluctuation from week to week. 
with Godwin and Jackson in particular. I mean, the hierarchy. What, what if you were if you were the offensive coordinator for the Bucks? Evans would get the largest share, right? Right. Would OJ Howard actually get the second largest share? It almost feels like some weeks they underutilize him. Yes, and I, I I was joking with I might have been Joe earlier this week that if I was if I was OJ Howard, I would start missing some blocks so they would stop making me block. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you could certainly give that a shot. It's an interesting strategy. Try to get more targets by missing some blocks. But yeah, no, I, I, get, I get it. Like, you want this guy running routes because he's a he's a nightmare for opposing defenses to figure out. So yeah, I, I'm with you. It, it'd be Evans one, Howard two, three would just yeah. I think I would handle it the way they are, where I'd say my third receiver each week depends on which one of Humphreys, Godwin, and Jackson has the best matchup. Right. But and, this. And, but, be- sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's the it's the beauty of having that much depth. Because they're they're all uniquely talented in in some different ways, and when they're all healthy, it just creates a mess for us to deal with. It, but this makes me the way things have been going with Humphreys, you know, having a few weeks of solid run here. It makes me want to avoid Deshaun Jackson and Godwin. It makes me if I had them, I'd be like, no, I, I don't want anything to do with them right now. I yeah, I get it from a, a season long perspective for sure. I think they all remain, or they both Godwin and Jackson remain interesting from a gpp sort of dart perspective yep all right pat's titans Dion lewis last two games in which the titans have played somewhat well they lost that game in london to the chargers because they didn't make the two-point conversion um and they played well monday night against the cowboys Dion lewis in the last two games against the chargers 13 carries, 91 yards, 6 catches, 64 yards. In the game against the Cowboys, 19 carries, 62 yards, 4 catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. These are these are really good, strong running back numbers. Do we trust Deion Lewis yet? I think so. I mean, I, th- I think he, he's averaging 16 touches per game this season to Derrick Henry's 12. And the splits the last few weeks haven't really deviated from that. I mean, the Dallas game in particular was one where they really got away from Henry. And that was when they were they were winning in the second half. Like, that's, that's what's so surprising about that. So maybe that wasn't necessarily by design. Maybe that was hot hand. Maybe that was something else. But I think I trust Deion Lewis a lot more now than I did coming into the season. My concern with Deion Lewis at the beginning of the year was that New England used him perfectly. Mm-hmm. And going into a, a lesser offense... No matter how much you thought the Titans would improve, there was no way anyone thought that Tennessee's offense would be as good as New England's offense was a year ago. That the value had to come down, and then you had to factor in how much they'd use Henry. I think they've used Henry less than I expected, and part of that is just the way this team... This has been a weird team, too. They've been like the Washington of the AFC, where you look at them and you're kind of like, are you guys good a little or a lot? Like what? Why, why aren't you more consistent? And I, I can't quite put my finger on what this team's going to do in any particular matchup. But I do trust Deion Lewis at this point uh, because he's he's getting a lot more carries than I expected, aside from having that role as the primary pass-catching back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I actually have Deion Lewis in a t- as a top 15 back this week, so I'm in. And and before we move on to one other subject, the, the Titans are going to win that game. That's what I say. They're going to win outright? Yes. Okay. Um, what's your what's your what's the crux of your argument for this? That Vrabel just knows Belichick well enough to get it done. It's the it's it's kind of my usual. I I know I've been a little more 
I've probably been higher on the Titans maybe than I should be this season, thinking that they're a team that could sneak through and win that division. I know the Texans are playing really well. But it's a home game. You know, the Pats are, I mean, they're good. I don't know if they're 14-2 and two good. And it just seems like a good home spot for the Titans to come up big. Like I, I don't like giving average teams a touchdown at home. You know, I see a game like that. I just, you know, my spider sense tingles and I think the home team's going to win. So interesting. Uh, I, I just look at them as a team that hasn't shown enough offensively. Like I, I thought they would be a little more creative than they have been with Matt LaFleur taking over to where they're going to find unique ways to beat the Patriots on that side of the ball. Like, I, I'm I was actually taking the Patriots to cover on the road. So we're on, we're on totally opposite ends of this game. The other thing about this one for me, and I think Jake and I were talking about it on Tuesday, what you've seen from Mariota for the past two weeks makes you wonder if it it makes me think, I think, I think he might've said it first about how big of a factor the injured finger was. And if it's getting better because he's playing much better. So yeah, he couldn't feel his hand at one right. point. I mean, it was That's bad. Kind of a big deal. And we were all looking at him, going, "Oh, he's a you know, he's a failure. He's a bust." And you know, why is he not getting better in year four? Well, you know, the last two games, if you look, he's playing. I mean, Monday night he played well, and that game in in London, he he had some. There was a lot to like. So um, the other thing in this game, so Sony Michelle is expected back for the Pats four weeks ago. If I had told you, or three weeks ago, hey, Sony Michelle's herpes coming back, you would have said, yes. If you owned him, you would have been excited. What does this Cordero Patterson stuff <laughs> do to your Sony Michelle excitement? Uh, it doesn't change it much. I mean, I think Sony Michelle looked really good before he got hurt. And it kind of goes back to some of the analysis we had on him back during draft season was that they wouldn't have spent a late first round pick on Sony Michelle if they didn't think he was uniquely talented or, or worth getting uh, a large, large share of that, that backfield. I, I think with, with Patterson, it, it's, it's clear to me that he's a running back, like just, the, just the way he plays it. Like he's more comfortable carrying the ball to the backfield than he is running routes. And I, I think that bodes well for his future because I think whether it's in new England or elsewhere, there will be a team interested in giving him a larger share of their carries at some point in the not so distant future. So if Michelle's healthy, I'm not worried about Patterson getting more than you know a half dozen carries. I would expect Tony Michelle to get 15 plus carries as long as he's cleared to play. Okay. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining and get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. 
The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Dolphins Packers. I use the word trust again. I always joke around that I hate the word trust. Fancy football. I've joked with you about it. Do you trust Marquez Valdez-Scantling yet? I do because I, I think Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah. I, I think you, you see it in, in terms of where he's he's targeting him. Situations where he's leaning on him are, are generally pretty critical situations. So I think with with that, that, that ticks the box. That's enough for me. Uh, you look at the, the week-in and week-out roll, you know, it's three, two, and three catches these last few games. And that's some of that's with Allison. Some of it's with Allison compromise. Some of it's without. I don't know if the production floor is quite as safe as people are going to make it out to be. But I think he's a more talented player than Geronimo Allison. And that bodes well if the target count does get scaled up. I mean, so it's been 11, 6, 5, and 6. The last four games that 11 came back in week five when they were down like 62 to nothing to the Lions in the first quarter. So and and that was a game where I think Cobb was out as well. So they were really pretty banged up at receiver that week. So I I think you're looking at like seven to eight targets is the most likely range for him. And the floor is a little bit lower than you might believe. But I I do like Valdez Scantling. I think he's top 30 receiver right now with Allison out. Yep. Jeff has him 25th this week. Actually, I think I have him 20. Same same range. The projection system has him at a 29th. All right, the other thing in this game. So Adam Gase, after the game last week, what Gore had 20 carries and Drake had three. And, of course, I was going to drop my I – I resisted the urge to write love the Drake or hate the Drake in the notes to you, even though, you, you know, I know you would have got it. but You couldn't, couldn't lay off now, though. I couldn't. I, I, right, I had to bring it up. So these guys are sharing snaps still, but Gore got all the work. And after the game, Adam Gase is like, well, oh, gee, I didn't want that to happen. Well, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of have a say in this. What do you do about Drake? Because a couple of weeks ago I went, I think you and I were talking. I said, all right, I think we're good with Drake now. I think we're fine. We're out of the woods. It's not a disaster. And then last week he got three carries. Now this game, if you think the Packers are going to win by a lot, which I do, that would argue for Drake, but still, I'm like, well, so so basically, I'm my my strategy is game script based, and that's not usually great with the team on the losing end of it. That you're hoping for garbage time receptions and things like that. Yeah, this is kind of like a must win for the Packers. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to blow up the importance. I mean, they're, they're what three and four and one right now. You you really don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of leeway there at three four and one. Like coaches are coaching to keep their job right now, especially McCarthy. And and this is a this is one of the easier games left on their schedule. So you have to make this layup at home. Now, I don't understand why Adam Gaze plays himself off to be this passive observer. He is the head coach right. of the Dolphins. He is in charge. Like he can he can tell the offensive coordinator what he wants to do. He can call the plays himself. Like he has so much more control of the situation than he indicates that he has in his post game press conferences. I think this is a great spot for Kenyon Drake because I think the Dolphins are going to have to throw it a lot. And mm-hmm. I think if you're looking for like a cheap tournament running back to fill in as a flex, I think you could justify him there. I think season long is a, is a total nightmare for him right now because he flashes big game upside, especially when he scores he two TDs against Houston back in week eight and scored against Detroit to salvage a, a 10 touch 
game back in week seven. Had 17 touches the week before that against the Bears, so got pretty good yardage in a tough matchup. And yet they just keep occasionally going away from him. We saw that against Oakland. We saw that against New England back in weeks three and four. I think this is a good Kenyon Drake week. And I say that knowing that it can go very, very wrong for things that are just totally out of his control. Yeah, I, I think my gut says it is. My head says I, you know, I, that I'm wishing that it's a good week. Instead of logically thinking it should be because I don't have evidence to say so. But I don't know. What a nightmare. Um, I have him ranked 27th, but where does Jeff have him? Hold on. Jeff's got the Drake at... Got him. I must have him high. 21st. Jeff's note. Frustrating game after getting blown up in pass protection in the first quarter. He got buried behind Frank Gore, who had 21 touches compared to seven Drake. Okay. So there's there might be another factor there. But yeah, Gase did seem, seem mystified as to why Kane Drake didn't get the ball so much. Jags Colts. Leonard Fournette back. Are you ready to roll? Yes. I, I think they waited long enough to bring him back. I think this was the plan all along was to get him completely healthy and to be able to use him without restrictions. What team is he coming back to, though? I mean, like, compared to the one that uh, that we thought the Jags were when he got hurt. Like, that's, I think, a question worth asking. They had the London game before the bye. You know, lost by six to the Eagles, even after having several players, uh, was it arrested after being at a nightclub and, <laughs> and skipping out on the bill? Like, who are you, Jacksonville? Like, that, that's a Jason Mendoza move right there, to Love just not it. pay your bill at the nightclub. That's terrible. Like, what, what's wrong with you guys? Uh, like, oh, no, we were confused. We thought we were getting comped because these people in a different country said they recognized us. So yeah. they were going to comp us for 50 grand worth of booze. Yeah, they, 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 they love American football so much. This club in London, they were going to comp us, said no one ever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Pay your bill. <laughs> All right. Well, so, what's wrong with this team? Like, why are they, they're, they're 20 to 7 to the Texans prior to that? Was, that, was in, that was in Jacksonville. That was, the, that was the famous Deshaun Watson took a bus to get here game. Yeah. And then. That was follow, that was right after the Cowboys smashed them in Dallas forty to seven. Like they they're in a tailspin. They lost the Chiefs before that. The Chiefs are good, but they're in a, they're in a four game losing streak. This was a team that was really really good last year. Right. They've had some injuries. Is this a bounce back opportunity? Are they a team that with the Colts, Steelers, Bills, Colts again, Titans, Redskins, Dolphins, Texans? That's a pretty nice schedule overall. That the Steelers are really the only team that you look at out of those those eight games and say that's a really tough game for them potentially, and they catch the Pittsburgh at home. Is this the beginning of the Jags turning around their season, or are they a team that even after that bye week is going to come out and and disappoint this week? I, I think it is a sort of a bounce back, and I say that as someone who likes the Colts, that I think mm-hmm. they're they're a, they're a better team than I thought, and they're playing well, and there's there's you know, improvement on the horizon or not even on the horizon. I mean, thing is they are three and five and they won two in a row, but they beat what the bills and the Raiders. But I do think they're improving. I think the offensive line is playing well and the defense, not as bad as we thought. And luck's been okay. But I do, th- I think this might, this is a bounce back spot for the Jacks. I mean, it's now or never at some point. I always buy into that, you know, not always, but the desperate team theory matters a lot to me. And I look at this when I go, is this team going to, I mean, if they're going to turn around, it has to be right now. And I, and I don't believe that they've just, they're just not good anymore like they were last year. I mean, last year they did. Yeah, they might have been a little better than their record or not as good as their record, but that's okay. 
So, yeah, I think it's a bounce back spot. You know, I think it's so much of a bounce back spot. I like Bortles a little bit here. Bortles in the road, always a tough sell. Well, if you look, if you ta- if you take out, <laughs> it sounds like if I take out the game where he got benched, which you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then that's me trying to make him look better for sure. I mean, I, I do this too, like in in baseball when when a pitcher gets shelled, and I'm like, okay, there's six starts. Here's one start where he went two and two thirds and give eight runs. Let me take that out and see what everything looks like. You can have a bad day. Yeah, that you, you have to be able to adjust accordingly when the worst day of the entire season is sprinkled into recent history. If the games around that are more typical. Okay. My argument for Bortles in eight games, let's say seven and a half games, he's averaging more than 30 yards on the ground. That's a factor. It helps. If you look at the games he's played, the Colts are currently, in terms of fantasy points against, they're 22nd against opposing fantasy quarterbacks. In, in games against the te- teams, okay, let's say 15th or lower. Against the Patriots, 38.3 fantasy points. Against the Jets, 30.2. Against the Chiefs, 34.9. I know that was garbage time. Against the Eagles, 22.6. It, it can happen here, I think. And I don't love I, him. I'm just, I'm kind of sort of okay on him. Kind of looking at the week 13 matchup when he gets the Colts at home is the one that I want. All right. But um, yeah, yeah I've, I've, you've presented at least a, a reasonable case, even though I'm not going to buy in. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. The other one, other interesting guy here, if you're looking for, I have a feeling we will talk about this guy tomorrow on our break glass. You might not want to talk about him, but I, I will. In our break glass in case of emergency thing. Dontrell Inman. So the last two weeks, I mean, it, it was Chester Rogers. He was our buddy for a few weeks, especially when T.Y. Hilton was out. Last two games, Dontrell Inman has played 64 and 74% of the snaps for the Colts. And now that first game, he didn't do anything. But last game against the Raiders, seven targets, six catches, 52 yards. So, and he's not going to get Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye is not playing. I think it depends on Ryan Grant. If Ryan Grant is back, then yeah. Inman's snap share and target share go down. So if we learn by Friday that Ryan Grant's in some danger of not playing, then Inman becomes one of those emergency options. Otherwise, I think I'm going to let that one go. Yeah. And Grant was limited on Wednesday. So you never like to hear that after bye that the guy comes back and he's limited. But all right. Lions Bears. Uh, sounds like Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson are ready to roll. They practice fully on Wednesday. So this game is weird to me. Just because I look at it, and the over-under is 45, which is on the low side. You look at this game. Like, Do you really like anybody? There's not a player in this game that I look at and I go, boy, I'd really like to start that guy. You hate everybody in this game? Hate everybody. I know I'm starting. You know, if I have Marvin Jones right now, I'm starting him. And if I have Terry Cohen, I'm starting him. But generally, this is, I'm just shrug, I, I'm shrugging my shoulders at everybody. I think it's another good Jordan Howard week, to be totally honest. I mean, the Bears are, are seven-point favorites, which seems a little high, actually. Mm-hmm. I actually like the Lions with the points, even though I do expect the Bears to win. Uh, but I, I think Jordan Howard is a guy that was kind of in a weird place to begin the season. The matchup against Buffalo was kind of a, a layup, right? I mean, any RB1 against Buffalo should 
be fine because Buffalo is not going to boat race a team most weeks. So carries are going to be there. Um, but it was more TD dependent than I, I would have expected. I mean, we saw a big carry volume against the Jets in week eight. So I think you're looking at like 16, 18 carries, a decent sort of yardage day. Uh, we mentioned Damon Harrison a few weeks ago. You know, It didn't make the immediate impact when they got him. It, it could start happening this week. It could absolutely be a factor here in week 10. But I think that's kind of where I'm most interested in taking a shot in this particular matchup. I don't know. I, I don't believe the Jordan Howard thing. Look, I'm, I, it's another one. I'm probably starting him if I have him. And I have him ranked where? Mm, actually, 18th at running back. So, yeah, I'm probably playing him. But there's been games where they were favorites and won by a lot, and he didn't get the ball all that much. It wasn't on the field all that much. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's not a script where I can count on him. I know against, I know the Jets, he got the ball a bunch. But I feel like game, even when the game script argues for him, I feel like I can't trust him enough. I mean, you know, if he's going to get the ball 14 times, yeah, you're playing him. But... I, I don't know, you know, fifteen to eighteen. I don't know if I believe that. Even if they win thirty-one to ten, it's really weird to me that he caught ten passes in the first three games, but he's caught one in the last five. Isn't it weird? I think they when when they stepped up the Cohen usage, I'd have to look at them together. That that just seemed to me because in the first couple of games, I think we were worried. We were, were we worried about Cohen a little bit? Is it me? Uh, I, I, I don't know if I... I think I was lower on Cohen than everybody else coming into the season. And then when people were worried about him, I was like, well, this is kind of what I expected. And then he went off and I was like, now I look like an idiot. All right, here, here it is. Yeah, Cohen, first three games. Touches. 8, 5, 8, and then 20, 12, 14. Yeah, and that's come with Howard getting 11, 14, and 13, where all but one of those touches were carries. Right. All right. I'm shrugging my shoulders, and the guy I'm most down on is Trey Burton. Really? Yeah, he he had that one game that that he got looked at a lot, and otherwise it's kind of like you know, Mitchell Trubisky throws to him four times a week, hmm. and I don't know why I want to buy into. It. I mean, I mean, before the season, I was in. I was I, you know that oh he's going to do the Travis Kelsey role in Matt Nagy's offense. Great. And other than if you look at the target count. He's not getting the ball. He's just not. Other than that one game against the Patriots. And it's infuriating as an owner of him. So, I don't know. I mean, I have him, I think, 14th or 15th at tight end. I, re- I kind of don't want to play him this week. Watch, he'll you know blow up or something. <laughs> well, carry on Johnson. If you, if you buy into the touch volume being there, even though the Bears have been the most stingy fantasy defense against opposing running backs this season. It has some of the same appeal that Christian McCaffrey had in a tough matchup against the Ravens last week. Right. Where you could, you could look at it and say, yeah, I mean, okay, like let's, let's think about it. And it's not because it's uh, two, two weeks ago, I was off last week. So it was week eight that McCaffrey had the Ravens. Let's think about this because it's, it's, it's contrarian. It, it's, it's not a matchup you're excited about. It's certainly not a cash game thought in DFS it's just like oh maybe he'll actually cash in all these touches for something useful in a difficult matchup just because they're using him more okay Cardinals Chiefs uh, is the spread up to 50 yet I haven't looked mm, I had that screen open a second ago it is 16 and a half still yeah still still sitting at 40 and a half, 49 and a half 
All right, so we're starting all our Chiefs, obviously. Actually, not all necessarily because Sammy Watkins did not practice Wednesday with a foot injury. This, if, if you needed a wide receiver this week, pick up Chris Conley, right? Yeah, I think you could do worse. Um, you know, I like a, a more worse. Than, I like, I like a more than Inman because he, Fair enough. the per, percentage of snaps, he was still third, just over 50% of the snaps. He's, he's generally on the field a decent amount, even when Hill and Watkins are healthy. And there was a game uh, week four. Sammy Watkins got hurt in that game against Denver, right? And uh, Conley picked up 94% of the team's snaps. So, yeah, I think he's ahead of Demarcus Robinson in terms of usage if Watkins doesn't go. So I think Conley is worth thinking about. Uh, he'd be more of like a, a tournament option in DFS, but definitely a one-week stream option if you're looking for help. Yep. If you're, stream- if you- if you're streaming you know, and you have, as we mentioned earlier, Thielen, Diggs, or Hopkins, and you're struggling to find somebody – Grabbing Conley and hoping that uh, that Watkins is out might be an interesting way to get gamble. Also, Cardinals targets in Byron Leftwich's first game as offensive coordinator. Larry Fitzgerald twelve, Christian Kirk seven, Ricky Seals Jones four, but he ran a. I think I read last night on he had a season high in routes run, and uh, David Johnson four, but they did use David Johnson a little differently. I think Fitz is the most interesting guy here. Because we, we, we were sort of, I don't mean you and me, we, we collectively as a, you know, fantasy analysts and players, we're kind of done with Fitz almost. And you resign yourself that the ceiling was low and, you know, he was going to go out with a whimper. And then Byron Leftwich takes over and Eureka, he's eight for 102 and a touchdown. It's amazing that a Hall of Fame receiver could make the life of a rookie quarterback easier. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> Um, Fitz or Amari Cooper this week? Hmm. I, I don't like the matchup that much for Cooper going up against the Eagles. I think I'd play Fitz if we're talking half or full point PPR. I think non PPR maybe could talk me into Cooper, but I, I think it's Fitz. Okay, Fitz or Golden Tate? <sighs> I think it's going to take Tate a little time, so I think I'd go Fitz there as well. All right, just checking on where you were on Fitz. Uh, Raiders Chargers, a Raider wide receiver. I don't know what to do. The Raider Raider wide receivers. I, I, I mean that game. The, the whole game was a debacle. So I don't know that I can tell anything ab- about any of them. I mean, when Cooper with Cooper gone, you went all right. Maybe Jordy and maybe Bryant, and, and it turned out to be maybe nobody. Like literally nobody did anything. So do you, do you want any of these guys moving forward at all? No. End of your bench, even. I mean, you you, no. you could argue anyone, but generally no. All right. I, I want nothing to do with this team in any facet. I, I think they are a total train wreck. Yes, I agree. The The other side of this game, uh, which Williams do you like on the Chargers at wide receiver? You could say both or neither. Uh, they, they, the thing is, is like they, they're hurting each other as far as like the, the actual role. But the weird thing is, is Tyrell Williams played a lot more snaps than Mike Williams last week. Mm-hmm. 92% of the snaps for Tyrell Williams, 29% for Mike Williams. And even in, in weeks where it's been closer, like week six and seven, 80 plus going to Tyrell Williams, just under 70 for Mike. So I think just based on how much they're on the field, Tyrell has to have the edge right now. Yep. Uh, I agreed. But Tyrell, he's another, he, he gets even, he's on this three game scoring streak. He, he's got f- the last three games, he's had 11 targets, nine receptions, and four touchdowns. 
Yeah, their their target shares are almost identical during that span. Like right. they they do not have a a lot of separation in targets, even though Tyrell Williams is on the field a lot more than Mike lately. Okay. Seahawks Rams next up. Rams double digit favorite. Uh, did not Chris Carson did not practice yesterday. Doug Baldwin was a little bit of a surprise not practice. I, I think Baldwin might be. It, 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 that that almost sounded precautionary was the, was sort of the tone I took from it, but Carson got hurt in Sunday's game, hurt his hip, and that that's a that's a one we really have to watch over the course of the week. If Chris Carson doesn't play, what's your interest level in Mike Davis? Uh, much higher than it would ordinarily yeah. be. I mean, a guy, I, I have a hard time when they're both out there justifying Davis, but if, if Carson were ruled out, that would certainly open the door. I, I just think. How much do you trust Davis to be on the field in in passing situations? I mean, he had eight targets last week. Like that's a lot more than I would have expected. We've seen a four, a two, a three, a one, and an eight over the last five. Like that's good enough because they're going to have to throw in this game to keep it close. I keep looking at Seattle, and I, they're not the the peak Seattle Legion of Boom Seahawks. Like they're just they're not that team anymore. But they're better than they probably should be yep. right now. They're four and four. I think this is one of those games where the Rams are going to win, but I think Seattle's going to hang around. Line's like 11 in that game, at least on the Yahoo spread contest. That's where it's at. I think the Rams win by like a touchdown or win by like eight or nine, but I don't think they're going to cover double digits against Seattle. I think Seattle can find ways to put some points on the board and keep it respectable. Okay. Um, the other note in this game, last two weeks targets for the Seahawks. David Moore, 11. Nick Vanette, 11. Doug Baldwin, 7. Tyler Lockett, 6. That surprised me. Like I've been, avo- I've been ignoring David Moore. And me, yeah, me too. I, I, I wanted nothing to do with him. Like, and it's so weird. I just, Baldwin, how compromised is he? Groin injury aside, like whatever he's been dealing with coming off that knee, is he still limited? Is he having trouble getting separation? You know, why has Lockett's role dried up? I think those are, are fair questions to ask right now. I mean, I, I'm looking at our projections, and it's got Lockett at wide receiver 28, and I'm, I'm just looking at going, no way. You know, with all due respect to the projection system. It's a, that's, one, that's one of, you know, we all, have, we, always, we, we all picked stuff and, you know, have certain things that we like more and like less. And Tyler Lockett, I'm just out until further notice on him. Yeah, four, four, two, and four for targets yep. going back over the last four games. It's just it's too light, right? Um, Cowboys, Eagles. I mean, you're starting Zeke, but it's hard to like him here. It's just a tough spot, and they haven't been good, and and they should have picked Jalen Ramsey, and but now I'm really you know going way too deep into that. But you know, I mean, the guy can only do so much by himself. If the line's not perfect, it's not. He's a good back, and he's catching the ball more, but you know, he's running into a brick wall. You know, he's had some good games, but I, and this is a tough spot. The Eagles are just, their front is nasty. Fletcher Cox is a monster. Yeah. The, the Eagles, I think are one of those teams. that's going to gel over the second half. They're going to be really dangerous come playoff time. I think they're still going to win the division. You know, I, everything, everything's kind of trending in the right direction. I like the golden Tate trade for them uh, in, in the weeks ahead. It's going to take them a little time to get fully up to speed. I think because it often does for any player learning a new offense on the fly like that. But it's a good addition. You, you, you put him opposite Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I think that gives you a really nice one-two tandem. Aguilar can do a lot of work out of the slot. Occasionally, you can hit a deep ball to like Wallace. You got Ertz. You got Dallas Goder. This is 
this is looking like an offense that could be like a top five offense for the final eight games. Yep. And folks, I'm aware that Ezekiel Elliott is on track for more than 1,800 yards from scrimmage, so please don't yell at me. Uh, just don't like the spot here for him. Uh, Eagles running back. They added, they added to the confusion in their last game by mixing Josh Adams in. I mean, you can't you, you got you got to just sit back and watch this one now, right? Yeah, I think they're at the same point they were at in 2017 before the Ajayi trade, where you're just you're stuck. You're, right. you're not getting a whole lot of mileage here. It's it's mostly desperation plays. If you're looking for a silver lining, it would be that Wendell Smallwood has led this backfield in snap percentage each of the last three games. That's about it. That, that's the that's the most concrete analysis I can offer you as far as usage goes. That Smallwood's been on the field the most each of the last three games. All right. And let's wrap it up with uh, Giants and Niners. Over-under is 44, which is the only ones lower are Philly-Dallas and Jets-Buffalo. Because Jets-Buffalo, they couldn't score on the field by themselves more than 36.5 points. Um, the defenses versus position matchups on, on rotowire.com basically say that every, everybody's in a mediocre or worse spot. Like there's, there's, no, there's not an argument in the, other than guys like Beckham and Barkley there's there's not a an argument a matchup based argument to to go with anybody you know and it doesn't say oh this is guys in a good spot there aren't any of those does with Mostert out what does Brita's outlook change a decent amount like the poor guy looks like he's hurt all the time and he's you know the Terminator and all that do you kind of like this spot for him it depends on how you look at the game I guess but but do you think he's in a good position to to produce here with Mostert out of the way. I, I think so. I mean, it's a it's a close game script, so it's not like they're going to have a, a 20-point lead and run Alfred Morris a lot in the second half or something. It should be reasonably close. Two, two teams that have underachieved for pretty different reasons. Uh, I think the setup is is such that, as you said, no one's matchup is off the charts good, but nobody's matchup's off the charts bad. I, I think this game could actually be a little more fun than expected. I was kind of making fun of it. Before we started at the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, like who's going to watch this game? Who's, who's, everyone's going to want to just rewatch it in 30 minutes on Tuesday morning instead of watching it for three and a half hours on Monday night. I think there's actually fantasy intrigue throughout this game. The guy that I'm, I'm kind of most interested in for San Francisco it, over the next few weeks is Marquise Goodwin. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's been occasionally flashing that big playability. But it's it's been really kind of feast or famine. I mean, since catching four passes and scoring twice against Green Bay, he's caught four total passes over the last three games combined, even though he's been on the field a lot. So, yeah, maybe that's a, a Mullins thing and a Bethard thing. But Bethard can throw a deep ball. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if, if they're going to look, look at him and say, you know what, we're going to still make this guy the number one receiver that everybody thought he was going to be coming off the second half that he had last season. I still wonder if that's in there with Goodwin despite the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo here in 2018. Um, I, I agree with you. And with, with Mullins in, I wonder, you know, I mean, I know it didn't change the first game, but I wonder if things changed a little bit for him. Uh, you would think so since he's, the, I mean, he's got so much speed. One other note, um, I talked about, uh, let's say I was down on Trey Burton earlier. One guy I don't want you to sleep on is Evan Ingram because he was hurt for a while. And then the first game back, you look at his line from last week, you know, it was five for 25, but nine targets. I know the Giants were down in the second half to the Falcons. The nine targets interest me because coming into the year, they, were, they had big plans for Ingram. 
And now that he's healthy and kind of back in the swing of things and he just had that week off, I wonder if you're going to start seeing top 10 tight end production from him. I think it's totally possible. Some of it has to do with just the state of the tight end position uh, league-wide. Like there's just not a lot of high-quality options once you get past the the high-end pieces. Like it, You could argue, I think, 15 different players for the last five spots on the top 10 list right now, and it'd be a pretty rough debate to listen to because you'd be like, Ugh, I don't, I don't want to put this guy 7th, 8th at tight end right now. Uh, Ingram gets you excited. I think it comes down to Beckham, Shepard, and, and Barkley also getting a lot of looks, but they may be in a situation where they're being the third or fourth option is fine because they have to throw it so much. So yeah. I, I think with Ingram, yeah, I think you're right to still be interested, even though that target ceiling you can't quite reach what it was last year when Beckham was hurt and so much was going wrong uh, a year ago for the Giants offense. All right, and I just want to check Ingram's ownership. And he's 72% on Yahoo, so you probably can't get him. Worth a look, though, with that kind of um availability what else you got going on Derek? i just started a baseball slow mock with the, the guys over at the pitcher list so that'll be going down we got all the picks going up on twitter if you're into baseball this early and you listen to a football podcast it's uh the hashtag is pl experts mock so i've got a little uh lindor acuna team going in that nice. one so far nice little foundation and uh, i got the dfs pod coming up with scott uh, later today so by the time you hear this, you might have also heard that episode too. Uh, how about you, John? What do you got? I got uh, trying to stay awake for Panther Steelers. As I mentioned, I got a podcast with you tomorrow, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, we got the Friday pod coming up too. Yep. So that's it. You know, a lot of lot of talking. What's um? What so? What's your deal? So you you, you drink coffee, even yeah. though it doesn't do anything for you. Do you drink fancy coffee? Do you do the Chemex thing? Like, what's your What's your play? What's what your order at the coffee shop? So I have a. Well, I don't, I don't go to coffee shops generally because okay. I'm too cheap to pay four fifty for a coffee. So I have the carry get home, and that you know, I um, say I always say I don't. I joke that I don't like coffee because I put in things that make it taste not like coffee, like peppermint mocha creamer and stuff like that, and to, and two Splendas or <laughs> or two stevias. Oh geez, okay. So it's basically like drinking candy instead of coffee. Yeah, no, that does that does sound like you're just liquefying Halloween candy, right? A little bit with and some caffeine. I was never a coffee drinker until ten or eleven years ago when I started working for Fox. What my pitch initial pitch was, and I did it for a long time, is I during baseball and football season I would wake up and and publish a notes blog by eight a.m. Eastern. So I was you know five o'clock at the computer and that was new for me and that's when i started drinking coffee oh yeah that that's i think work is what at some point breaks everyone down into coffee or maybe having kids would do it if you didn't yep. because of your job because you're gonna get up and you're gonna be just exhausted but yeah yeah you're you're doing a lot of stuff to your coffee like i'm i'm seeking out i, I like coffee shops but i'm also i'm i'm what you would call an elder millennial you know based <laughs> on age so it <laughs> Like Starbucks has been on every corner my entire life and going to the coffee shop is, you know, it's a social event yep. and you just, you just, it's in my DNA to go out and get a coffee and not think twice about it, which knowing how cheap coffee is at home is stupid. I acknowledge this full well, but it's, um, Hey, you know what, where's this roast from? What is its acidity? You know, what kind of flavor notes does it have? Like I'm, I'm getting the flavor from the beans, man. I'm not, I'm not dumping the, uh, the sugary stuff in there. Yeah. See, see, I'm weird. When I talked about the being cheap for coffee, I, I even, 
when I shop for, like I've found brands that I like that are on the less expensive end for Kerrigs. I, I won't buy Starbucks because, oh no, 60 cents a cup, I'm not doing that. And it's weird because in other parts of life, I'm not a frugal, sometimes not frugal enough. But stuff like that, little things like that, I go, what, 60 cents a cup of coffee? I'm not doing that. I can find one for 35. Yeah, so we got a place here. And this is this is why we do this at the end of the pod because no one <laughs> no one cares. But there's this there's a store here. It's called Woodman's. It's where I get all my booze too because they have such a good selection and it's crazy. But everything there is really cheap. And they have I think it's 100 count boxes for the. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a Keurig, but we have one at the office. It's a hundred K cups for like 20 bucks, and it's a local coffee place called Victor Allen's. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's the that's the sweet spot, right? You're getting something good and local and getting a deal like that it's it's amazing that it's like a special they have i think it's available every single day and they even do like varieties of flavors and stuff too i should it'd probably be cheaper for me to buy that at, at the store and ship it to you than it is to buy other k-cups that's probably true which is yeah. insane because the ones i get are yeah it's about 35 or so it's san francisco bay coffee which is actually pretty good Never even heard of it. Fog. San Francisco Bay Coffee. I, I one night I got I I was I do too much you know Amazon review searching and things like that, and I wind up and I wound up when I say I'm not paying this for coffee anymore, so I want highly rated cheap coffee. So I was looking for the ratings, and it was pretty good. Fog Chaser, that's the that's the one from San Fog Francisco. Fog Chaser, Bay. okay, it's good. Oh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a morning blend. Sounds like something that wakes you up. Yeah, a little. It's not one of the you know milder breakfast blends, but like I said, you know I candy up the coffee anyway so i probably should just get the cheapest tasteless thing ever and just put the peppermint mocha creamer in it oh i i misspoke before by the way it's an 80 count for 20 bucks but that's still that's a lot of cups that's for, strong yeah for that's 20 really bucks and yeah, they got uh like columbia and french roast and morning blend and all that stuff so yeah if you need the hookup what, what's the hack on the on the k-cup machine by the way does anyone out there have a hack where like when i brew a cup Mercuric. I'm such a degenerate. I, I drink like 16 or 20 ounces of coffee at a time, and I'll try not to drink two a day. I try to drink one a day. But I brew the K cup, and I feel like it gives me a half a mug most of the time. Maybe yeah, the mug is too big. It's eight ounce, six ounce, or what, 10, right? Yeah. And I don't, I, can you run it twice on six to get 12? Is it, is, are there hacks that actually work on this thing? I mean, I don't know. I, if I ever wanted a bigger one, I'd run it twice, but I don't know if I, I don't know of any hacks. All right. Well, if you got any K cup hacks, let us know. Let him know. He's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm actually helping 37. If you got other ideas for, you know, sweet creamers for me, you can pass those along too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Folks, listeners to the podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. You can check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Also, please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We'd appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back on Friday latest news, injuries, all that stuff to get you ready for the rest of week 10. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire 
To learn more and find a center near you, that's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.